May 25th around the world each year is celebrated as Africa Day. 76, of course, have a guy on the roster who I think you can already make the case is one of the top three players to ever come off the continent and play in the NBA. Joel Embiid is special, man. It's something that all of you have seen out there, not just this season, but over the course of his time with the Sixers. We recently released a special episode here on the 76ers Podcast Network called Inside the Process. If you've not yet given it a listen, I'm biased, but highly recommend doing so. Julius Irving narrates it, and it's the story behind the scenes with Joel Embiid charting his journey to superstardom in essentially less than 10 years. The guy who's been given a lot of credit for uncovering and discovering Joel Embiid in Cameroon is a former Cameroonian NBA basketball player himself and also a former 76er, Luke Mbamute. And I had the opportunity to interview Luke for the Inside the Process podcast, and we decided that for Africa Day, why not release the whole thing? Luke shares great stories about his early memories of Joe and also the significance of Joel Embiid in respect to not just Cameroon, but Africa. So here it is. Luke Mbamute on Joel Embiid as we recognize Africa Day here on the 76ers Podcast Network. So first, I guess, uh, what do you think of what he's doing right now? Like, what level in your mind is he playing at? Uh, I mean, yeah, he's he's unbelievable. Uh, How he's mature, uh, obviously, uh, from a basketball standpoint, but just overall... um, in the game and like his approach to uh, being great, you know, I think uh, right now he's playing definitely. I mean, he's my MVP for sure. So uh, that's the level he's playing at, and he's showing it all season. Uh, you know, even you know, you could have made arguments like you know, coming back from that injury, he could have slowed down, but it seems like he's still at the same level, if not better, uh, which is really good. Obviously, like the team is in first place. Uh, somewhere around there, like looking for to make a run in the playoffs. So I'm really excited to see how uh, you know his health and everything else. He continues to play in the in the playoffs. It sounds like you're following him pretty closely. Is that accurate to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, I not that closely, but I, I follow most of the you know guys uh, that I've been involved with uh, pretty closely. You know, obviously him and. Pascal, um, I little brother in the NBA, uh, and then some of the other guys too who are overseas. I try to, you know, try to follow and make sure, you know, I keep up with what they're doing. But yeah, Joel is, uh, you know, I've been always following him, uh, you know, kind of from afar, but yeah. I think one of the amazing things to me that working on this project has made me think about is that 10 years ago, Joe was essentially picking up a basketball for the first time, and here he is now in the mix to possibly win the MVP award, and he hasn't even played 10 full years of basketball. Um, like, how do you think he's pulled this off? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm personally not surprised. Uh, you know, going back to, like, the days when I first met him, uh, playing basketball and stuff that he was doing, for someone who's just been playing for six months, uh, was unbelievable. You know, um, I always say this, like, you know, for his size, um, 
and the way he moves on the floor, uh, some of the things that he was doing, you know, before the camp, during the camp, um, was unbelievable. He's just like, well, I'm like, there's kids who've been playing for years, and that can't do that. So uh, that's always been there for me. I already knew he was special. Uh, now, but it's just good to see that everything aligned and that he's just kind of like going through his journey. Uh, but like, you know, when someone is special, they're just special, or you know from the go. For uh, for as much as you can remember, can you kind of like try to situate us um, at that point in time? Like, do you remember the year you first saw Joel? And can you like even describe the camp, where it was, what it was like? Like, was it warm? Was it hot? What was the setting? How many courts there were? Like, do you remember any of that stuff? Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, it was, I think it was 2010 or 2011. Uh, I'm not sure which year was it again. Uh, yeah, we always, you know, we, we always do camps back in Cameroon. Um, you know, I started doing that around, around 2009. Um, and I think it was part of the second or third year we did it. Um, so, yeah, it was in the Aounde where it usually is. I mean, but we did the pre-selection um, earlier. And I don't think he got to participate in that. But, like, the camp was in Yaounde, uh, uh at the arena there. Um, so that's kind of, you know, we had an indoor court and an outdoor court. Um, two indoor courts um, and an outdoor court, two outdoor courts. So pretty simple, pretty basic camp, you know, just really, you know, trying to, you know, bring and help these kids grow the game, you know, in Cameroon and give back to the community that helped me. And uh, Joel was, a, you know, obviously part of the camp, one of the campers. Um, and, you know, it was think. You know, it was starting to pick up where, like, a lot of kids now knew that we were having a camp and that at the end of the camp we were getting the five best players to go to South Africa for the NBA and Basketball Without Borders. So I know it was a lot of excitement. Uh, those are probably some of the best. I think that year uh, or the year before, probably that year was, like, the year where we had the most talent. Uh, it was a lot of talented kids. And Joel stood out. Uh, obviously, you know, from being you know, one of the tallest, but, but definitely for being like, you know, one of the guys with the most potential. He probably wasn't the best player at the camp, but like, you know, if he had eyes for, you know, <laughs> talent, that jumped out, even if he didn't have eyes for talent, he jumped out at you that this kid was great. Uh, and I know he'd been playing volleyball because I kind of like was following him from afar uh, to like some of the coaches that we work with. Uh, so he already had good footwork and, you know, his dad was a handball player and all that. So, uh, but, like, his ability to, like, even grow uh, and just, like, seeing stuff, like, it's just flashes. You, you always see flashes in him and, like, wow, like, how did he do that? And I think I remember one time, like, I had asked one of the coaches, like, yo, did you say this kid has been playing for six months? And he was like, yeah, only six months. So uh, that's just to tell you how, how impressive he was uh, at that time already. So uh, I think, like I said, what he's doing now is just a continuity of, like, you know, how special he's been since ever since he picked up his basketball. So you had heard a little bit about him before the camp? Yeah, definitely. I heard about him. Uh, through, uh, you know, one of the coaches that, you know, I work with uh, in my camp. So he's, uh, you know, he told me about Joel because, you know, Joel was playing volleyball. And he was just like, well, he just started playing basketball. And I think, you know, he definitely should come to the camp. You definitely should see him when you come down. Uh, so I was looking forward to, like, seeing him because, you know, obviously, like, hearing from him and, you know, he's somebody who 
coached me and trained me. So he has an eye for talent. And my generation had a lot of talented players. So hearing him rave about Joel and his potential, I was very eager to, like, you know, really see Joel on the court and see what he could do. So and I wasn't, I wasn't disappointed at all. Did you know much about him as a volleyball player? Because when we spoke with him, he said that um, he thought that he could go pro as a volleyball player. Did you ever see him play, or did you, did you hear anything about him playing volleyball? Or like, you know, obviously his size, but what made him good? No, nah, uh, I don't know a whole much about volleyball, so I, I never saw him play volleyball at all. Uh, but I heard he was a good player, though, uh, from his uncle, uh, who was a volley- good volleyball player. And I think he played pro, I'm not sure, but and he is actually the one who put him in volleyball. Um, so he was the one telling me about Joel and how good Joel was in volleyball um, before I told him that, look, man, he's probably good in volleyball, but I think he could be great in basketball. So, um, no, I never really seen him play, though. Another thing that Joel said was that he really needed to convince his dad to finally let him play basketball. Um, did you have any exposure to that? <laughs> like, did you see... Uh, what that was like, or, or do you have any idea why it might have taken a while to convince his dad to uh, to let him play basketball? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, his dad was a handball player and his uncle was a volleyball player. So naturally, you go towards the sports that you know and understand. So I think his uncle was, you know, he his he, he dad knew volleyball because he, he'd been around his uncle who played volleyball, he knew what that was like. But he never really had any experience with basketball, so he didn't know really what to expect for a kid who was playing basketball. Um, I think the volleyball team, Cameroonian volleyball team, had had some success too around that time, especially on the continent. I think they won like a couple of African Cups. Um, So they've had a good team. So uh, I think it's only normal for his dad to kind of lean more towards that until like, you know, he really got to like see him play basketball until he you know, came to the camp and, like, I started talking to him and showing, telling him about, like, the opportunity and, you know, what could it, what it could be, you know, for Joel to, like, continue to play basketball. But by that time, he was already on board. I think he was already very supportive of Joel, and, like, uh, making sure he can be in the best position uh, to succeed. Can you tell me how he went ultimately from uh, Cameroon to the States, how he landed at Montverde, um, that that whole thing, like you know, what type of decisions were going on there, and how that ultimately came to be. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, so I, I had been doing a camp for like a year or two, and you know, the goal was to always like take the top players and like help them get situated, whether it was here in the U.S. or somewhere in Europe. And for Joel's situation, we really felt like the best for him was to come here and be in a, a good high school. Um, where he'll have a chance to, you know, play and develop and obviously get recruited uh, for for college. So I went to Montverde myself, and um, I knew the work that um, at the time was Coach Sutton right before he transitioned to Kevin Boyle. And I knew the work that was put in place, and I knew Montverde was going to be in the position to, you know, uh, obviously help him um, as a student uh, because I went there and also, you know, as a basketball because, you know, I knew what, what they were trying to do. So um, it was kind of a, not a, I don't want to say no-brainer, but it was kind of like an obvious choice because of the relationship that I have with the people there. So um, that's why I felt confident, like, you know, sending him over there and making sure that, you know, 
that was a school that he was going to go to uh, to transition from Cameroon uh, from Cameroon to here because I mean that was kind of like the path that I took as well. So, I mean, you obviously had had your own career going on, but how did Joe handle um, that type of life change? Let alone what was going on with basketball. Did you touch base with him much? Uh, I mean, like you said, yeah, I had my own career, so like a lot of a lot of kids. Um, that we work with, I I do try to keep in touch with them, but probably not as much as I should. Because I mean, it's always like, okay, once once they're here, we make sure they're okay, and then we have to go and help the other kids. Um, so uh, I did stay in touch with him as much as I could, and uh, I think he did all right. Like just like, just like any other kid, I mean, it's the, that transition period it usually takes you about a year or so, whether it's just from a cultural standpoint first, uh, the language. Uh, the food, even like just all small little things that you wouldn't even think of. Um, that you know, a lot of those kids when they come here, they're not really used to, and especially being away from family, also that was tough. Um, but I think, um, you know, as you, as you get older, as you start to look at the opportunity, and for him, he wanted to, he was always, be, you know, somebody who wanted to be better and wanted to be good. So as he embraced that and, and saw the opportunity that he had, yeah, I think things started to get better for him. Um, you know, even from the basketball perspective, I think it took him about like a few months to a year to adjust to like how guys were playing here, how competitive he was. And, and like once he got, you know, once he got adjusted, um, you know, culturally and, you know, athletically, it was good. You know, he just started kind of getting his flying and going on his own way and like just getting better. How did he handle that 2014-15 season that, you were with the Sixers. What can you remember about the frame of mind he was in, um, his hopes, his concerns, anything like that? That was a tough season. Uh, like, we started the season with uh, Arthur passing. So, uh, I that was – and right – you know, obviously being injured, uh, coming in, um, having all that, those expectations and wanting to play, but then having to sit and wait. Um, then you get the, the news from from back home about Arthur. That was really tough on him. Um, but uh, I think I think he did a good job. I think uh, that actually motivated him, you know, to to, to to be better, to do good, and like to look forward to to playing because you know Arthur was big for him. Um, so I think you know like that that kind of put things in perspective for him to just continue and push hard because then, you know, he had a lot of stuff to, he had somebody else to play for it. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, it was really hard season for him overall, but um, I think, uh, you know, his parents did a good job uh, being there with him, even though it was tough for them as well. And, um, you know, he pulled through, he pulled through and, and, uh, you know, I know it's still tough for him, but like, you know, I think uh, that really got him going and, uh, it fueled his motivation. And I think he really used that time to really get better and like really watch and observe and kind of have a feel for what was going to be there. And I think that, that extra year was great for him. I don't know if you have any insight on this, but did you have any idea, like, do you think his family knew how, how big uh, he was? Like when we talk with Bill Self, um, he was just talking about how the first time that, that Joe's family came to Kansas, it was probably unlike anything they'd ever experienced uh, with the sport of basketball. Like, do you think his family had an idea of like 
how much hope is riding on him with the Sixers and, and even for the first couple times, like how much the fan base um, was into him and dug him and, and was, was so uh, much a fan of him? No, not at all. Uh, I don't think they had any clue. I think the first time they really kind of have a little bit of a taste of it was when they came for, I think it was like the Big 12 tournament, um, that they kind of got to see it and they were, they were pretty impressed, but they still didn't know, uh, especially the fact that when he got drafted, uh, he got he got hurt right before he got drafted. So that, yeah, he didn't play as well. So, um, you know, even them coming to Philly and like just being around the game, like the team, they didn't really get to see it like that. But then like, you know, it wasn't long until they really found out, you know, because like following season and then, it's a few seasons after they really got to experience what it's like. And I think there's still, still something that, they, uh, you know, for any parents coming from Cameroon, it's like, um, I almost have to pinch yourself because I'm sure, like, you know, they, they just don't believe, you know, like, like you said, 10 years ago or whatever, he was still back home, you know, just a kid playing volleyball. So from that to, like, being, like, an NBA MVP, like, you know, I, I can't even believe it. So I can only imagine their, their home parents. Um, but I'm sure that I know they're very proud. Uh, when he's talking to his dad, you know, his mom, uh, they're very proud of, like, what he's done and the man he's become. So um, that's the most exciting thing is that, um, you know, they, they still look at Joel as, you know, as the young kid, you know. Um, that's what's, you know, good to see. I think the last thing for me is um, just something that you can obviously provide perspective on that a uh, few others can. Um how big is he back home, and uh, what, what does he represent? What does he mean? What would it mean for for Cameroon, for African basketball, um, for Joel to possibly win the MVP or, or just be as big a star as he's become? No, I mean, um, yeah, I think he's he's big. I mean, you know, he's helped. Uh, you know, he's helped uh, catapult basketball uh, not only in Cameroon but in Africa in general. Uh, him along along with uh, Pascal, who won the championship a couple of years ago. Uh, even Giannis, who to me still you know represent Nigeria in some way. Um, but yeah, it would be great to win the MVP. You know, it really kind of helps um, for us. You know, who have been striving to push the game and to help grow the game back in the continent. I think uh, having Joel do what he's doing only helps, you know, and you can see, you know, the success of all these guys like Joel, Pascal, um, other guys like myself and guys who came before me, uh, and all the other African players. And now you can see the African league, you know, being put together. Now the NBA is putting more effort into the game. I think it's all due to, you know, guys like Joel, you know, because now you have an MVP from Africa who grew up there, you know, he just talks about their potential. And um, I think he represents a lot of hope, too, uh, for a lot of those kids. You know, I think uh, even for us, you know, it was just about playing in the NBA. Uh, back then when we grew up, it was like, man, like, you see guys just in the NBA, we just got to make it to the NBA. But I feel like for kids now in Africa, it's not just playing in the NBA, but it's also being an NBA MVP. You know, that's, that, that's how far, you know, the hope is because, you know, he's able to be in a position where he could do it. And now... Uh, kids in Africa looking at it and say, wow, like you can only, not only just play in the NBA, but also have a chance to be an MVP. And that's somebody who walked my shoes and who been where I've been, who knows who came from where I came from. So if you can do it, I can do it. And, you know, anytime you have that impact on 
on a generation or some kids or whatever, that's that's an unbelievable impact. So I think um you know, hopefully he can get it and hopefully he can add another title to the Cameroonian collection and uh, you know, for all of us who you know are part of his journey or we're just proud that uh, and I'm sure that's how the whole continent feels. And here we are, and who might have thought that if not for Lukamba Mute in a basketball camp, maybe we wouldn't have discovered Joel Embiid, you know? Do you think we would have ever known about Joel? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. That's that's you have to ask the Lord. Um I was just I was just a vessel, man. So I mean the Lord used me to to um, you know, get him where he needed to be. So I was just uh I'm just blessed and honored to have been part of a part of the journey. So uh, no credit to me. Uh, I think he's he's worked hard to be where he's at, and that was just the path that he had to take. So, uh, so yeah, that's it. Hey, you at least deserve a medal for being part of the 2014-15-76er season. I can at least say that. <laughs> that was a great season, believe it or not. I always talk to people about that, and. Uh, you know, we didn't win that many games. I think we won like 19 games or 20 games. I don't even remember. But um, I knew like that team, like the foundation that they were laying was great because, you know, like it was just about playing hard. And I think Brett did an amazing job, a really, really good job of like getting guys to play for him and play hard, you know. Um, and it was good. And you can see, I still, I really believe that those early um that early philosophy and his early thirst, even though like a lot of those guys from that team are gone, I still I still feel like it's stuck with the stuck with the organization and it's good to see that, you know, now they have Doc and Daryl, you know, people that I know really well. Um and those guys also have great, you know, attributes that they bring and it's no wonder that they've been successful this year. Very cool to hear some of the stories and insights from former seventy sixer Luke Mbamute, who is played a vital part in Joel Embiid's journey. On this Africa Day, we think about some of the cool things the NBA has been involved with recently in terms of the development of the sports on the continent. This year, and actually this month, the launch of the inaugural season of the Basketball Africa League, which the NBA is involved with, along with FIBA and Nike. And also, would certainly be remiss if we did not mark that May 25th, is the one year passing since the murder of George Floyd. And earlier this week, the NBA's Social Justice Coalition, which Doc Rivers is part of and one of the two coaching representatives on, um, speaking out and making a statement on the importance urging for the passing of police reform measures. Um, So obviously uh, a lot to think about here on this Africa Day, May 25th. Hope you enjoyed that bonus interview with Luke Mbamute. As far as what we've got going on here on the 76ers Podcast Network in the days ahead, if you've not yet heard it, check out the latest episode of Fanatic About the Playoffs, myself, Lauren Rosen, and Bob Cooney. That dropped on Monday. And then we will have a new episode of Fanatic About the Playoffs reacting to Game 2. That'll be released on Thursday. Talk to you then. See you.